Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Adam Klickfeld and by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. In lieu of one more uh, extended sermon or drash, Rabbi Schatz and I are each going to share one small nugget for you to chew on on this holiday of Sukkot. So recently, uh, our family was in need of acquiring a new car, or at least a used new car. Uh, The car that we had been relying on mostly uh, died uh, on the way to the hospital where my son was going to have shoulder surgery. Literally, like, pulled out of the driveway and tried to go forward and said, car said, I'm not moving anymore, ever. Uh, And that was the car, that that was the newer of our cars, that was our 2012 car, we were expecting the 2002 Honda Odyssey, which is held together by duct tape, to be gone first. But no, the 2012 car said, I'm going first. It all happened in the middle of these weeks of Yantif, and it was crazy to figure out what to do. And good people even gave suggestions of who to reach out to that they knew in the car business who could set us up, and the inventory is really, really low. Last Saturday night, last Saturday night, uh, we drove out to West Covina, jealous. Uh, <laughs> to purchase uh, a a used Honda Clarity, which they don't make anymore, which is the the Honda's plug-in hybrid, because we wanted a car that we could plug in that had a certain range, uh, because it would mean that most of our driving around the city of Los Angeles, because we don't do that much driving, would be on the electric, and then if we needed to take a road trip to Northern California, uh, we'd have it. So we've now owned this Honda Clarity for a few days, and I'm still trying to figure out how to to use it and make sense of it. (laughs) And already, I love it, and already I'm a little annoyed. Because where my elbow rests on the little you know, thing and the console is like a little bit farther back than I'm used to, and every time I put my elbow down, like I, it's, like it's an annoying angle, uh, and, I, and you know, it connects to my Bluetooth through a different way that I'm used to, and I'm enjoying watching all of the gas that we're not using, and my mind is also picking up all the parts of this car that are different than the cars I'm used to. I don't quite have buyer's remorse, but I have buyer's annoyance. And I think that says a lot more about me than about the car. With that in mind, I want to reintroduce you to a Hebrew root that nearly every one of you knows. One of the first Hebrew roots or words that you know, a young Jew might learn in Hebrew school or religious school is the word sameach, ani sameach, I'm happy. Right? And we all know, I've talked about this many times before, that there is no such thing as a word-to-word translation. Right? Whatever the English letters H-A-P-P-Y might mean in 2022, it cannot possibly encapsulate what the Hebrew root sin memchet meant 3,000 years ago. But we translate it, samach happy, sukkot, you should be happy in your holidays, um, as a sense of joy. Right? Uh, it's interesting because you can make the argument for why Sukkot, as opposed to other holidays, is a happiness holiday, because maybe happiness that we finished the high holidays. I don't think that's what they meant in the Torah. Uh, happiness that the harvest is complete. Not this, you know, maybe happiness that winter is coming and the rain is going to return to the land of Israel. You can make an argument, but it's not obvious why Sukkot is happiness, right? There are other days of the year that seem more happy. Turns out, and this is where scholarship really adds on to traditional study, the Hebrew root, sin memchet, may not have meant, or not only have meant, back then, what we would call the word happy now. 
Interesting inquiry by Rabbi Ron Isaacs, who's one of our colleagues in New Jersey. Going back to um, uh, early uh, real estate uh, deeds and records that they found from um, biblical times suggests that sometimes the root samach did not necessarily mean elation, but meant acceptance. Because they found um, little signatures on the end of real estate documents where one party was saying to the other party, in lieu or in light of the fact that all of this has been transacted properly, anisameach. It wasn't that exact Hebrew phrase, but the root samach. It doesn't seem right to suggest that the person was rejoicing and throwing a party, but basically, okay, I accept it. The terms are agreeable. We can move forward. Vesamachta bechagecha is a very different feeling. We say you should be happy on your holiday to on this holiday when you're living in temporary booths, when things are far from perfect, when the rain may come and it may not come. What does it mean to say you shall accept it? You should be okay with it. You should embrace the fact that this is reality. Kohelet, which we read a few minutes ago, is all about that, right? Your understanding that you'll never uh, decipher all of the secrets of the universe, your recognition that wherever there is good, there's also evil, that things that you think are sturdy will fall down, that the rains sometimes come at the right time and sometimes they come at the wrong time. Vesamachta bechagecha. You should throw a party? Maybe. Maybe you should come to a sense of acceptance. In some ways, it's a more sober understanding of our emotional obligation during the times of Sukkot. There is nothing wrong with joy, and Monday night we're going to revel in it. But in the week leading up to Sukkot, to Simchat Torah, maybe the proper emotional presence is not celebration ad kedekach, but an equanimity and acceptance that this is actually the way life is. Right? We do live in a world with good and with evil. We do live in a world where the righteous suffer and the wicked celebrate. We do live in a world where we spend a week outside of our real homes entering our temporary home, Sukkot, maybe to remind ourselves that in some ways the Sukkah is actually a more proper metaphor for all of the existence. Unsteady, temporary, not lasting forever, and a little bit vulnerable to the uh, world around us. Accept that. Now here is where language actually is delicious. Because what is the best way to actually achieve true happiness? Not to throw a party, but to accept your situation as fully as you possibly can. So it may be that it's actually the same root. And what we think of as happiness, the ancients understood as an acceptance of reality. So as we go towards the last few days of Sukkot, I say to you and to myself, accept what is on this holiday, because that is probably the most honest and proper way to get to what we think of as Simcha. So I'm only going to build upon that. Um, and it's interesting because Rabbi Klickfeld is speaking from the root in Hebrew, and Rabbi Alan Liu actually talks from the, from the word joy in English, uh, to be able to understand what this v'samachta v'chagecha could mean. And he takes this idea of acceptance one step further, though the two rabbis, I don't think, actually spoke to one another about these different drashot that they had, neither did these two rabbis. Um, but just this idea that joy, what Alan Liu says, is that 
that joy isn't actually necessarily the way that we explain it in terms of fun or happiness or having a smile on your face, which, and I mentioned this on the second day of Sukkot, that can be hard to understand, right? As Rabbi Clickfeld just mentioned, to be commanded to be sameach, to be happy, can be something that is hard for people to take on, especially if you are in a time of mourning, or if you are someone who is suffering with depression, or you're just in a time where being happy is not the first thing that's coming to mind for you. Being commanded or thinking that you are commanded to be happy is something that's very difficult to, to kind of take on to yourself. And so what Rabbi Lou says is that it's a deep release that it can actually include bad, so to speak, and also joy, also the happiness. But that it's, a, it's any feeling fully felt, he says. It's any experience we give our whole being to. So maybe that is acceptance, right? Maybe that's I'm not feeling particularly happy or I'm not feeling particularly sad in this moment, but just feeling fully. And when I think of Sukkot, Though I hadn't thought of the word acceptance before, it is this all-encompassing holiday. You fully feel whatever is happening both within that sukkah and also in the time around you. Right? We take a lulav and etrog to be able to not only smell but also hold that which we are supposed to be celebrating and aware of in our agricultural season, right? In this moment of our agricultural um, lives, but also the idea of being in a dwelling space that is supposed to actually be your permanent home, right? You're supposed to look at your home and say, that's not my home this week, this is. But it's impermanent and it's supposed to be over, it's supposed to be able, excuse me, to blow over, right? It's supposed to have a sense of impermanence in its in its fragility, but also in its stability. So the idea that, that Rabbi Lou is putting in front of us here is that it can be, joy can be something that has both sides to it. It can have this element of potentially just happiness, the way that we understand colloquially for what joy is, but it also can just be this idea of sinking deeply into any feeling that you are having. And so maybe the samachta bechagecha, is, yes, a sense of acceptance, but also this ability to, if you are feeling annoyed, or if you are feeling afraid, or if you are feeling scared of the elements that might come upon your sukkah and then destroy it, that you're supposed to just be in that. You're supposed to just be able to dwell in that. And he finishes by saying, um, any moment of our life fully inhabited, any feeling fully felt, any immersion in the full depth of life can be the source of deep joy. So as we're entering into Simchat Torah, which as we, most of us will feel, is a celebration of Torah, is a celebration of this idea of joy that we often speak of it as being, of happiness, of celebration, of drinking, of eating, etc. that you might not show up Monday night or Tuesday morning feeling that, but to allow yourselves, just like we do when sitting in the sukkah, to feel all the elements, to feel the way in which you're feeling deeply and to take it in. And I'm just gonna end with the, the words of Brene Brown, who's a sociologist. And these words, I think, uh, though, though not talking specifically about Sukkot or the idea of Vesamachta Bechagecha, 
really take us into this moment of how we as general human beings can feel during this time with the commandment to understand what it might mean to need to have to bring joy into our lives, but also to understand real vulnerability of our sukkah. To love someone fiercely, to believe in something with your whole heart, to celebrate a fleeting moment in time, to fully engage in a life that doesn't come with guarantees, these are risks that involve vulnerability and often pain. And as Rabbi Lou would actually say, that too is joy. But I'm learning that recognizing and leaning into the discomfort of vulnerability teaches us how to live with joy, with gratitude, and with grace. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.